Hi, everyone. Hello, hello. And welcome to the Health Works Podcast. And yes, that's Works with an X. This podcast is about the importance of wellness and how everyone deserves access to affordable health care. We are here to tell you it's possible and we have the solution. We are your hosts. I am Bridget Weisberg. And I am Dr. Deanna McCausham. And we want to encourage our listeners to be more aware of their individual health and let you know you have options. With Extension Health, our nonprofit wellness company, we let the people have access to a no-cost health program. So you can now be on your way to a lifestyle of healthy living. Hi, everyone. Hello, hello. And welcome to the HealthWorks podcast. We are your host. I am Bridget Weisberg. And I am Dr. Deanna McCausham. Welcome back, everybody, and I hope you're staying safe with everything that we are currently facing. We know it's not easy, but remember, we're all in this together. I'm really excited about today's episode because we have a special guest that will be joining us today. That's right, Bree. We have the pleasure of having a dear friend of mine and colleague, Dr. Diego Arango. Dr. Arango is a plastic surgeon, and he will be talking to us about skin cancer. Great to have you with us, Dr. Ariango. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm very excited. As I mentioned, I'm really excited about this episode, especially because summer is coming. People will start heading to the beaches and the pools um, and being out in the sun. And I know, for example, here in California, we work with several companies that are part of the agricultural farming industry, and their employees are also constantly exposed to the sun. Yes, Brie. I share that excitement with you because I think a lot of our listeners can benefit from the information that will be given today. But before we get started, I want to emphasize on why this subject is so important. As some of you might know, skin cancer is actually the most common cancer in the United States. It affects more than 3.5 million Americans each year. Current estimates are that one in five Americans will develop skin cancer in their lifetime. I mean, in the U.S. alone, more than 9,500 people are diagnosed with skin cancer every day. More than two people die of the disease every hour. And now, I know people are usually familiar with melanoma, but there are also non-melanoma skin cancers, and these are known as basal cell carcinoma and squamous cell carcinoma which are not likely to spread and may require a little more than just minor surgery or topical treatment. But on the other hand, we have, as I mentioned before, melanoma. Melanoma accounts for about 2% of all skin cancers, but it is responsible for most skin cancer deaths, and it's usually the one that may spread, or medically known, metastasize. And the scary part is that research shows that more than 1 million Americans are living with melanoma, and they might not even know it. Let's not forget how this cancer affects our economy. The annual cost of treating skin cancer in the U.S. is estimated at $8.1 billion, about $4.8 billion for non-melanoma skin cancers and $3.3 billion for melanoma cancer. Yeah, that's right. And now because this occurrence or like the occurrence of this disease varies so widely, we want to make sure that you, our listeners, at least know the basic facts and the necessary precautions that you need in order to prevent this. 
So without further ado, let's let Dr. Arango go into a little bit more details on the subject. Once again, Dr. Arango, thank you for being with us. And I want to start off by having you kindly explain to all of our listeners, what is skin cancer? Thanks again for that warm welcome, Diana. Before I proceed with this topic, I just want to add some details about epidemiology. As you said before, there are two big cancer families. One is melanoma, which is the most malignant of all, with a higher death rate, um, a rising incidence worldwide. And today is almost the fifth cause of cancer in men and women in the U.S. By 2019, in the U.S., the incidence rate was about 27 per 100,000 individuals among Caucasians being the highest rate in this group of people, followed by Hispanics with a rate of 5 and African Americans and Asians with a rate of 1 in 100,000 individuals. And this is statistics from the U.S. or this is like all over the world? If we analyze incidents all over the world, Australia has the highest rate with a rate of 72 per 100,000 individuals, possibly because of their weather conditions, the type of clothing, and some other factors. It's hotter there. Yeah, they have like um, more extreme um, sun exposures. I mean, it does make sense because, you know, you hear about Australia, people go to Australia, you know, for the beaches, for surfing and all that. So I guess it does make sense that, that it, it is going to be a higher incidence over there. Yes, that's right. So on the other hand, we have non-melanomas where we can find other types of cancer, basically basal cell carcinoma and squamous cell carcinoma. Basal cell carcinoma adds up to 80% of cases. They rarely result in death or substantial sickness, but is the most frequent of all. In the U.S., there's a lifetime risk of about 30%. That means one out of almost three Americans have a risk of getting basal cell cancer. On the other hand, we have squamous cell carcinoma, which is the second most common skin cancer. Something very important about this one is that it can actually spread. We know that the most affected group are older adults, but we are beginning to see this kind of disease uh, more often in young people. Last year, we had a 15-year-old girl with a basal cell carcinoma. 15? 15, yeah. She had been dedicating all her life to farming with no family history of skin cancer until now, but with a lot of sun exposure as her main risk factor. Wow. She, um, um, we, we're seeing this, this kind of disease more often in, in young people, people that are um, more sun exposed. So mm -hmm. it's not like um, an, an older adult disease. Yeah, well, I remember being like younger, f around 15 and stuff, and I was at the beach like every single day during the summer. <laughs> yeah. And didn't always wear sunscreen, like rarely. And I think, to, yeah, and I think to be honest, it's like a, a lot of the teenagers are worried about getting that suntan, nice golden, you know, beach suntan. So, you know, maybe they'll wear, um, if they wear anything, um, just like very uh, low SPF or maybe just wear just a tanning lotion. Yeah. And, and let's not go that far away. I mean, um, I think that um, younger people are using more tanning beds right now, and that's um, becoming a, a risk factor. Yeah, that is very true. And now we can talk about skin cancer, which happens when normal cells in the skin change into abnormal cells. These cells start growing fast without any kind of control. 
Skin cancer can occur anywhere on the skin, but it's often found on head, face, neck, back of the hands, arms, and legs, parts that are most exposed to sunlight. And which is a type of cancer in which we see the cellular change occur more rapidly? Is it safe to say it's melanoma? Um, it depends on the tumor subtype. Melanoma is the most aggressive of all um, and can change and grow very fast. Okay. Uh, Dr. Arango, being a mother and having kids, um, especially during the summer who want to go to the beach all the time and the pool, what risk factors should I look for? Um, first of all, you need to know that people that have pale skin or light color hair, um, people that live in mountains or sunny places, locations that are around snow, water, sand, have a greater risk because these conditions can reflect UV rays. That's so, Ubri. Yeah, that's that's Brie and her family, definitely. California and light skin. Okay. On the beach. <laughs> on the beach, yeah. And without using sunscreens. No, no, I always put sunscreen on the kids. Me, I don't always remember. Maybe two weekends or three weekends ago when the beaches first opened, I took the kids to the beach and I put sunscreen on them. And then I get home and I'm burnt. And I like totally forgot to put sunscreen on myself, not even thinking. Yeah, that, that happens with, with, with people with light skin. Um, on, on the other hand, we have like um, people with dark colored skin that are, more, um, are less sensible to, to this kind of exposures. People with intermittent sunburns, um, when, you know, when a sunburn is when your skin gets red, painful, and dry, um, this kind of, of risk factor um, increases your, your lifetime risk of getting a, an, uh, a skin cancer. So um, it's like the first and main kind of, of risk factor for any kind of skin cancer. Indoor tanning, as I was uh, talking about uh, before, um, is one of, of the growing risk factors in right now. There's a misconception about indoor tanning. It does not prevent people from getting a sunburn. And actually, you can um, get exposed to UVA rays, which is a known factor for uh, skin cancer and photoaging. The number of nevi is person half. Um, nevi is that uh, what people know as black spots or, or, or moles. So people with more than 100 on their body um, increases the risk in about 5 to 17 times higher to get a melanoma. If they have more than 100 in the whole... More than 100. Uh, and no, not only that, like, it's, it's interesting what you say about um, the tanning beds, because I think a lot of people do have that misconception, like, oh, I'm not going to go get exposed to the sun, so I'm going to go to the tanning beds, you know, and the risk is going to go down. Um, that's not the fact, you know. The fact is that you do can And as a matter of fact, I'm guilty, you know, I did in the past go to, to tanning beds, you know, when I was a young child, and... And you can even get burnt in a tanning bed. I mean, if you don't wear the the, the proper, um, you know, like tan lotion or, or the, the lotion that they give you over there. I mean, I remember like the first time that I tried a tanning bed, I actually got a little bit burnt there, you know. So right. it's, yeah, so it's it's not something, you know, and people should take that into account. Um, it's not safe. You know, sometimes we do understand, um, you know. People think that the tanning, obviously, your skin color is going to look a lot nicer, but at the risk of what? You know, at the risk of, yeah. of having cancer down the line, you know, is that really a risk you want to take? Is it all tanning beds? Because you know how, like, some are more expensive and they're like, it's less 
it does not depend on the price or brand of the tanning device. It's going to depend on the skin type and exposure time. Diego, I noticed you mentioned exposure time, and I know from personal experience, when I used to go tanning, tanning times actually range from 10 to 30 minutes. Is there like an actual cutoff time in which risk becomes higher? What we know right now is that recent meta-analysis uh, supports strong association between cutaneous malignancy and indoor tanning. Patients um, with a history of melanoma were significantly more likely to report tanning bed sessions exceeding 20 minutes, so recommendations go between 10 and 15 minutes, and also is going to depend on the skin type. Okay. And, you know, I'm thinking now, because one of the things that a lot of people wonder is, um, you know, can this be inherited? And I think that's a good question also for me, because, um, you know, a lot of you guys don't know, um, you know, uh, I think Bree knows and Diego, I actually talked to you uh, about this in the past that I actually did have a, you know, a scare with skin cancer myself. And, um, you know, one of the first things that they were asking me was, do you have any history of family, um, you know, cancer in the family? And I didn't, I don't, I, I don't have any history of that. And now that you mentioned the tanning beds, I did go to tanning beds a lot and that might've been it, but is there a known or, or like a, a huge link, uh, with, um, skin cancer and inheritance? Um, yes, there are some forms of inherited skin cancer, but they are not that common. They take about 10% of skin cancers that have a family trait. So um, sometimes people say, oh, my dad had one. Um, there's, there's something you need to know um, is that men um, have like a bigger chance to get a, a skin cancer. But not because it's, it's, it's inherited. Just is because um, we expose more to sunlight. We have less care with sun exposure. Um, so, um, and we forget to carry our own sunscreens. And you know what, now that you're saying that too, is like, obviously, you know, women also, they care more about, you know, they're constantly putting products in their skin because they want their skin to be soft. And the makeup, makeup um, today is actually, it does have a lot of protection. Most of the makeup that you buy now has some type of protection. So, and obviously. Yeah, a lot of, yeah, a lot of stuff. The first thing you put on is the SPF. Yeah, they, yeah. they, they come with filters, with sunscreens and filters. So, um. Men don't use that, and that doesn't mean that we have like inheritance in in, in male pattern. It just um is just because of the exposure, no? Yeah, it comes back to the same thing: exposure to sun. You know, because they're not protecting themselves, not because they don't. They're just they just don't usually wear products that, in the case of a woman, has you know the filter. So that yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, yeah. And what symptoms? can you have or how could you um, first notice that you might have skin cancer? So we have to um, divide these, these kind of symptoms in, in again, in non-melanoma and melanoma. So in non-melanoma skin cancers, um, it looks like an abnormal skin area that can be pink, can be red or swollen and have a peeling appearance, um, have bleeding or, or look like an open sore. Um, or look like a thick and cross lesion. In melanoma, there's a pun um, to help identify this kind of cancer using the ABCDE, which um, stands for A for asymmetric, B for irregular borders, C for color, like a non-uniform color, which means that um, different colors can be found on the same spot, 
D for diameter greater than 5 millimeters wide, um, and E for evolution, which means that the tumor can have changes in color, size, or um, shape in a period of time. So that's, that's the kind of, of, of tumor you, you want to look for. I want you to go ahead and repeat that, um, Diego, just because, um, you know, when I went to medical school, that is like one of the first things that I, that I memorized, memorized during, um, you know, my lecture in skin cancer. And that's actually what, you know, made me look into um, the lesion that I had in my leg and noticing that it was changing and I was taking into account all these factors. And that's what made me consult the dermatologist in the first place. So if you can just repeat that again so that everybody knows it, because I think that's like the key, you know, to prevention. If you can spot it, or even if, if you're not sure, but you think something might be wrong, if you look at any of these um, symptoms or um, appearances that, that you can find in a molar at any time, lesion, you know, please make sure that you consult your dermatologist. It's better to be safe than sorry. So if you can go ahead and repeat that, um, you know, so our listeners could, could take that into account, please. Um, okay. We need to divide this in non-melanoma skin cancer and melanoma skin cancer. So non-melanoma has a difference um, that it, it doesn't look like that, that kind of black spots. They have like an, an abnormal um, area of the skin that can be pink. I mean, like an, an, uh, a small um, bowl or a small uh, kind of plague that looks like a pink, um, can be red and swollen, can have a peeling appearance, um, can um, go through changes um, producing like some sort of bleeding or look like, like an open sore, and look like a thick and crusted lesion. And melanoma, that uh, as I was um, saying before, um, is like a black spot. You're going to look for a black spot. And there's a pun to help identify this kind of cancer using the A, B, C, D, E. It's almost um, as easy as um, using those letters. So A stands for asymmetric. It means that in the horizontal diameter um, can be bigger or smaller than the vertical diameter. Um, B stands for borders, for irregular borders. C stands for color, um, which means that there's not a uniform color uh, inside the spot. It can have different colors found on, on that same kind of lesion. D stands for diameter, um, which has to be um, greater than 5 millimeter wide. And E stands for evolution, which means that the tumor can have changes in color, size, or shape over a period of time. Exactly. And that's, that's what we want you guys to remember, you know, like the A, B, C, D, E. So I think that's, that's very important. And is there a way to test for it? Um, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, first of all, um, you need to, um, using the, the, the pun I, I just mentioned, um, just start using or, or trying the, the, other, the other exam. Um, look for skin tumors or abnormal spots on your skin. After um, you start like um, seeing this kind of, of, of lesions, you have to go to a clinical evaluation performed by a physician. In this case, uh, maybe a dermatologist or a general physician, which um, then is going to perform um, a biopsy. This biopsy is going to um, tell us what kind of tumor it is. And finally, if needed, um, we have to um, perform follow-up tests in case there's a confirmation of some types of malignant tumors, in this case, melanoma and squamous cell cancer. So basically, guys, start getting to know your body. 
you know, start examining yourself at home, you know, from head to toe in front of a mirror so you can check everything. I know there's going to be some parts where it's probably going to be harder, but check in between your toes, you know, check even in your mouth because sometimes you can see some spots. And if in that initial, um, like if in that initial examination, you start noticing, for example, that you have more than a hundred spots in your body, go ahead and make that appointment with the dermatologist. Because remember, just like Dr. Arango said, those people that have a hundred or more spots are more than likely or have a higher risk of getting skin cancer. So make that appointment with your dermatologist. And even if you see something that you feel it doesn't look you know, right, go ahead and make that appointment. It's better to be safe than sorry. And then at that time, the dermatologist will see you, they'll evaluate you completely. And then if anything needs to be done, they'll go ahead and take the biopsy or whatever needs to be done at the time. But like I said, again, start getting to know your body, check yourself every month and start looking at those ABCs, you know, try to see if there are any spots that are changing, any spots that are growing or anything different that you start seeing like, hey, you know, I didn't see this last month. I didn't see this two months ago and I feel like it's getting bigger. If at any moment in time you have any doubt, please go see a dermatologist. This could actually save your life. So please keep that in mind. The moles are kind of raised and that's not including the freckles, like the brown... No, freckles. Freckles are are a sign of photo photo damage. Um, like like exactly like thick wrinkles that you can find on on the forehead or um, right um, on the side of your mouth. This this is um, some sort of photo aging that all um, that can be produced also by by sun exposure. Yeah, like for example, I'm I'm the type of person that once I go and get some sun, I, you start seeing freckles in my face and and in in my chest area. So um, I, I get those all the time, but then they disappear again. But yeah. those those are are the known freckles. Um, now I do want to go now into like what happens when you you know when you go to that doctor's visit because you have a suspicious um, lesion, and then you know they tell you that you might have um, skin cancer. How do you treat skin cancer? So um, there are a lot of ways to treat these conditions. And first, we have surgery. We, as plastic surgeons, need to know how much tissue is going to be excised to figure out how we're going to, uh, to reconstruct the area. This subtype of tumor is going to need margins of resection beyond the tumor that you can see so we can get the whole tumor out. Secondly, we have radiation therapy, cryotherapy, skin creams, and um, other kinds of treatments. The treatment um, will depend on the type of carcinoma, the size, the location, and um, we, if we have a spread of the tumor. And is that in stages? Like, is it, can it get too bad to where it can't be cured? Or Yep, can it- exactly. We, we, we once have uh, had, had a patient, um, a 53-year-old woman, that uh, had a small lesion about um, six millimeters in her inferior right lid. So she th- she thought um, it wasn't going to 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 be very bad. She just went home and she got to uh, some sort of um, witch doctor. And three months later, she came to us again with a one point five um, centimeters uh, of a tumor. So uh, she said um, that she thought 
her her witch doctor was going to save her. So she went back again to this guy. And two months later, she came back to us and the tumor was uh, practically getting inside her orbit. Wow. Um, it, it was a basal cell carcinoma. So it wasn't that kind of benign cancer. So if, if we get these, these kind of therapies as early as we can, um, the, the chance of, of getting cured is, is more high. But if we um, spend more time doing other, other kind of, of treatments or other kind of things, um, the tumor is going to expand um, more and more every day. And, and the tumor has like this, um, this kind of activity that um, when it gets very big, it grows um, even faster. It's, um, it's what we call an exponential growth. Does certain things cause it to grow faster or to slow down? Is that what, like, maybe she was trying to do is get treatment to slow it down? Or There are some kinds of treatment that can help reduce the tumor size or even slow it down. Um, but even in some cases, we can use um, those other types of treatments to cure early stage tumors. We're going to need surgery in almost every patient. People often think that skin cancer can be cured every time and it won't kill you, but when we have to face melanoma spreading to other vital organs, we start thinking that this kind of disease is very aggressive and very serious. Correct. And, um, you know, like, for example, once we have, um, you know, once it's been treated initially, you know, your initial lesion, um, what is the aftermath? What um, does a person need to do after they're treated? You know, maybe after their, um, you know, the lesion is gone and maybe they've had the radiotherapy or whatever the case may be. What is the aftermath? What do they need to do afterwards? And is there, what is the percentage that it can happen again? Mm, you need to be checked um, very often in the case the tumor gets back or if you find a new one. I mean, and um, you already had your surgery or your radiotherapy or your cryotherapy and you need to to get uh, like um frequent checks by by your dermatologist now when you're talking uh, about frequent checks is there is there like a guideline that says how often you need to go yeah 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 there are guidelines and depending on the type of the, of the type of tumor um okay. um some sometimes it um like the you have the surgery you have to go back uh, like seven days later to see that all the 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 zone is is, is nice is um, is uh, getting uh, like the the perfect scar. Mm-hmm. And after that, you're going to be checked like every two months or every three months or every six months or every year. It depends on on the evolution you're you're facing in, in that moment. Of course. So it's going to be on a case-by-case basis, um, you know, depending on the type of cancer and depending on on what initial stage you were diagnosed in and all that stuff. Yeah, but there are protocols for this kind of of subtype of tumor. So um, we we practically continue um, this kind of um, checks uh, depending on the type of tumor on the protocol that we are using. So I think what's what's important and the message right there is basically, you know, if you've had skin cancer in the past, um, you know, 
don't assume that you just basically, that's it. I'm out the door. I don't have to see the dermatologist again. Always make sure that you always follow up, you know, and yeah, maybe the time you follow up, they're not going to find anything. Maybe the following visit, they're not going to find anything. But it's like I said, sometimes it's just better to be safe than sorry. And just keep on making those follow-ups, you know, maybe um, eventually down the line, my two, three years ago, you might find something. There have been cases where that happens. So just make sure you follow the protocol, follow your doctor's indications and, you know, keep on going to those follow-ups and, and checkups. And if you ever think there's might be something, just it never hurts to get checked. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, um, your whole skin was exposed to that same sunlight. It doesn't mean that only one cell um, transformed to a cancer. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it can appear anywhere or somewhere else and come back um, on the same side of your initial tumor sometimes. So how do you prevent skin cancer? I know you should always wear good sunscreen, but what if you can't afford good sunscreen? And does it matter the SPF or which kind of sunscreen? Um, first, you need to avoid all the risk factors, as, as I said before. Um, avoid peak hours of sun exposure. That's basically between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. Um, you can use um, sunglasses with a UV filter, um, a white-brimmed hat, and long sleeve shirts, and long pants. Always try using thick clothes. Um, polyester is like um, a, a very nice kind of fabric to prevent this kind of disease. Um, third, um, avoid using tanning beds. Um, try using uh, sunscreens with an SPF of uh, 30 or greater. And there's some, some, something very important to, you need to know about this kind of, of prevention. The using, the, uh, when you use sunscreens, you need to apply it every two to three hours or after sweating or getting wet. Because um, um, people don't have the, like, that kind of conception of how to use the sunscreen. So they practically use it only um, on the morning after they go out from home. And they basically forget to use it um, the rest of the day. Guilty. <laughs> you know, you know now, now that, that you mentioned this also, I wanted to know if, you know, because like, for example, in, in Bridget's case, she has, you know, children um obviously you know we can tell that the skin is different so is it specifically necessary to have um sunscreen like a different type of sunscreen if you know it's a child versus if it's an adult yeah like and the spf for like a kid to adult yeah okay um first of all we need to know what does spf means um it, it stands for sun protection factor um, you need to, to look, um, first of all, for broad spectrum screens. That means that they are going to protect you against ultraviolet A and B rays. So you need to, to know first of all that. Um, the American Academy of Dermatology tell us that um, when you use an SPF of 30 or, or, or greater, um, is the kind of, of sunscreen you need to use to prevent this kind of, of, of lesions. Um, the U.S. Preventive Services um, Task Force recommends that the population between 10 and 24 years old with a fair skin or light skin, um, they need to be counseled on skin cancer. This is like a parenthesis I'm, I'm going to, 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 to use to, to help parents talk about this kind of, of disease with, with their kids. So we need to start educating them first. Um, 
the um, the recommendation is that don't use um, any kind of sunscreen uh, in children that are below six months. Um, in case you really need to use um, a sunscreen in this in this kind of population, um, what we try to to recommend is using an SPF of about fifteen. Okay. So, in, but in that case, is basically just not expose them to the sun, right? That would be the main recommendation. That That's be, right. Okay. What about in between and in between the ages of six and ten? Because you said um, you mentioned something about the age from in between ten and twenty-seven, I think. But what about ten and twenty-four about, years? Okay. And what about the population in between six months and ten years old? You can use any kind of of, of sunscreen with an SPF over thirty. So it, what's important basically is, you know, the SPF and what you were saying, the type of, um, of rays that, that it's going to block. But it doesn't matter if it's like specifically for kids or, you know, or for adults, right? There are some sunscreens that are specially designed for children that have um, less risk of skin reactions. But when we refer to SPF, it's basically the same for adults and children over six months. Okay. All right. Well, that's that. That's definitely good to know. That's something that I had I had no idea about. So that that's a good one. Um, yeah. I, I I want to add something. There there's there's a uh, a rule that is called the teaspoon rule. This is um, to make you know how much sunscreen um, you should apply on your skin. So um, basically, is like one tea. What the amount? The amount of one teaspoon should go to your face and neck. Two teaspoons um, should go to the trunk and back. One teaspoon for each upper limb, and two teaspoons for each lower limb. Can you can you go over that one again? <laughs> okay, okay. So um, um, I'm I'm going to tell this because um, here in our population, people think that. Only applying like a little bit of, of sunscreen on their face is going to make um, like the difference. But um, what the American Academy of Dermatology tell us is that you need to use um, the amount of one teaspoon for your face and neck combined, as a one, one, one teaspoon for each, for, for, for both, two teaspoons for your trunk and back. This means like about one teaspoon for, for your front and one teaspoon for your back. Okay. Um, one teaspoon for each upper limb mm -hmm. and two teaspoons for each lower limb. Okay. Oh, that's, that's, that's very good. I, this is the first time I hear about that. So that's, that's good to know. And you're right. Cause sometimes, sometimes we just like, honestly, I think I, I, I just put like a little bit in my hand and that I, I use to do most of my, my face and neck and probably even part of my chest. So I'm definitely not using enough. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I, I. Once I, I saw a dermatologist, a friend of mine, that um, was applying the sunscreen on his face, and he looked like a clown. So I asked him, what are you doing? And he told me, like, um, this is the amount you need to apply to your face. So I, I saw that, that, kind, that, that amount of sunscreen on his hand, and I was, oh, man, you're going to apply all that sunscreen on your face? So he told me, he told me, um, there was this, this teaspoon rule. Then I started um, researching about it, and, and you can find it um, practically any, in, in any kind of, of research. Wow, that's, I did not know that.
And um, Diego, now that, um, you know, with everything that's going on, I know, um, you know, a lot of people are working from home because of the COVID situation. Um, and this is something that's going all around the world, you know, and a lot of people are staying at home. Is it proper or like, should you still be using sunscreen even if you're at home? But of course, <laughs> yes, um, you can get exposed to blue light uh, that comes from the TV or laptop screens. Wow. So, wow. So um, there, this is a kind of radiation that most people don't know about. Um, if you can't try using um, glasses with a UV filter when you have to spend like a lot of time in front of your computer, there's something I, I forgot about, about um, the teaspoon rule and, and that um, I was talking about um, before. Some people don't like or don't use um, sunscreen very often because they forget to take it with them or can't find the time to apply it. Um, in this case, I, I really recommend to take advantage of the shades. This means um, basically using uh, thick clothes, um, long sleeve clothes, um, using a wide brim hat. It, it's very important. This, this is um, very frequent and to hear from people that um, work on the outdoors like uh, farmers and, and workers. Yeah, and that's, we have a, a, a good population of, of farmers that, you know, that works that HR works with. So I think that's that's very important for them to know that. Yeah, I mean, um, here um, you can find like um, very old people um, working uh, on the farms and then, and you can see them using hats like it was like uh, their nature. So um, it, it's almost a, a kind of prevention that maybe most of them don't know why, but they just use it. Or even, uh, yeah, and, and even when you're outside doing yard work, you know, you know, for example, retired people, um, you know, that maybe they're just outside just working on their garden and, and all that, you know, you also need protection for that as well. Yeah, that, that, that's right. And also, um, you can see now that um, it's, very, it's, it's becoming very famous the, the marathons and, and going on your bikes and going running and, and any kind of outdoor um, activities. So um, we, we recommend that, that to all of them. Yeah, question on that. So, so do you recommend putting sunscreen on every day? Is it bad for your skin to use every day? Because say you, maybe you're not going outside all day, but you're in and out of your house throughout the day, whether it's just to go outside for a walk or um, is it should that be the first thing you do every morning or is it not healthy to do every day? It, it should be. You should use uh, sunscreens uh, every day. Um, even light bulbs on your house are going to, to produce some kind of radiation. So um, we recommend using, even if you're at home, um, try using sunscreens. I'm glad you're bringing that up because we are seeing it in this generation. You know, people are working a lot remote. They're just working at home from their computer. And even before COVID and now even so more after COVID that even a lot of companies are starting to um, implement like different um, jobs uh, from home. So just working in front of your screen um, all the time. And you see people that have like three different screens in their desk just for jobs. So that's very important that know to know that just because you're, you know, under your roof and maybe you don't feel the heat of the sun, you're still getting exposed, you know, from the rays that are, are being emitted by your computer. So I think that's very important to know. And, and also, um, you know that um, social networking is now like the peak the, the, the kind of, of more famous 
kind of activity right now. So, mm-hmm. so people are using those, those um, LED rings. That those lights that are like a ring and and oh yes 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 I know which ones um, you're talking about oh the the ring light yeah the ring light yeah so that's that's an ex- uh, some sort of uh, exposure to to blue light and and people don't take that into account this this might be a silly question and stuff like that but people are also on their phones all the time does do the phones also do that um. In a in a certain manner, um, they have like a, a lower um, type of, of exposure, but uh, it can produce some sort of, of of blue light exposure. Okay, so basically, guys, it doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing. Just make sure you use protection because it's not just the sun. You know, it's everything, all type of electronics that we're using that have some type of screen that are going to give you some type of exposure. I'm constantly on a computer. Yeah, that would that would be something something good to get because I know you're you're specifically all the time in the computer. So, and I think I think a lot of people are right now. I think most of us spend probably with school. Everything's online. Yeah, social media, work, every shopping, everything's online. Wow. Well, this has been a um, very interesting topic. Thank you so much for all the information. Yeah, thank you so much. Is there anything if you could um, leave something, you know, for our audience or our listeners to take from this whole conversation that we've had today? What would that be? First of all. Um, you need to um, take sunlight more serious. Um, this doesn't mean um, that uh, sun exposure is bad. It, it was something um, I forgot to tell you. Um, you can um, have some sort of sunlight, like between um, 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. or after after 4 p.m. Yeah, I mean, we still need we still need vitamin D, right? Yeah, yeah. And right now, um, taking some 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 sunlight helps you emotionally, no? Yeah, as a, no, and, and not only that. As a matter of fact, sunlight has been proven, um, you know, in order um, dermatologic cases to help some improvement. So, for example, patients that have psoriasis, exposure to UV light helps out with that too. So, so like you said, it's not completely bad, but anything in excess is bad. So, just take the necessary exactly. precautions. You can go in the sun with sunscreen and get all of it together. And stay safe. <laughs> exactly. And and for the people that that um, forget to take their sunscreen with them, um, try using like a hat or something, um, or using or wearing um, long sleeve um, clothes. It's like um, the 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 other way you can try to to prevent this kind of disease. That's great. Well, I mean, like I said, once again, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thank you. This has been um, great information. Um, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of p- things that, I mean, I personally didn't know, and I'm guessing our listeners also, you know, weren't aware of. So thank you for this helpful information. Um, and it's even if they do know, it's always good to have that reminder there as well. Exactly. Exactly. And and like I said, guys, it can, it can happen, you know, it can happen to anybody. Um, you know, like I said, I put myself as an example, 
Um, you know, I was young and naive, you know, before I went to medical school and I did go to the tanning beds. I was constantly exposing myself to the sun, always wanting to get that golden tan. And, you know, I had a scare and I had a scare and I had to go through the whole, you know, procedure. They had to do biopsies and everything like that. So it's not something to take lightly. So, you know, I, like I said, I put myself as an example out there. So just please be careful. It can happen to anybody. Um, and I was, you know, I had the the knowledge, at least at the moment, to be able to verify or like to know um, that there was a lesion that was changing and that um, it might be a problem. So I went to see the dermatologist. It could maybe it could have been nothing, but it turns out that it was. So please take that into account. Please be safe. Please take care of yourselves, um, and never take anything um, for granted. Just always protect yourselves. Exactly. Okay. No. Thank Thank you for this invitation. Thank you. And, you know, maybe some other time we could talk about something else. I, I remember we were talking about this before. There was another subject that, that you wanted to talk about uh, maybe later on. So we can definitely have you as a, uh, as a guest later on in our show. Thank you. Thank you so much again. Okay. Okay. I'm looking forward to meet you again. Yeah, it was great having you. You're always welcome back. Yes, for sure. Okay. Thank you. And to our listeners, um, once again, it's been a pleasure having you guys. Um, until next time. Yep, till next time. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye,